0: Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Welcome to church. Uh, for those who don't know me, I think most people know me, I'm, A- I'm, uh, I'm Ainsley. <laughs> there you go. I'm Ainsley's husband, the other half. I'm, you know, there's always got to be the ugly half, you know. Uh, you know, I'm happy with that, but there's always the smart half. Uh, unfortunately, she's both. Uh, <laughs> so there we go. Uh, what, a, what an amazing day yesterday was! Um, I was on duty yesterday as a policeman, and one of my jobs was to go around and make sure that everyone was playing nice at the uh, polling booths, and because uh, there's been a bit of uh, strife of late. And as I'm pray- as I'm walking through, I'm praying under my breath, Dear Jesus, pray for this nation that we that we see a miracle, that a godly man be put on the um, in the position." And so, unlike unlike Melissa. I am, a, I am an election eve junkie um, and I watch them and it's like watching a grand final in footy. You know, for me it's because, <laughs> and I pray like crazy and it was a great month for me anyway. So I don't know who you vote for, but it's good to have a Christian at the top, okay, so it's awesome. And for those who don't know, uh, from C3 Powerhouse, Terry Young is now the new member for Longman, so there's another Christian in the house. So that's awesome. So if you know Terry, uh, congratulate him on a great victory. Okay, um, if, if I was to look at Ainsley and I, we've been married 30 years next um, next month, uh, uh, June June 17 will be 30 years. Um, you know, that's um, I'm on my third life sentence. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there you go. Because a life sentence, 14 years, if you didn't work it out. So, I'm on my on my third. But um, if I was to look at our life today, um, you know, we would say that we are extremely happy. Um, You know, we've got uh, three kids. Um, One's just turned 28, married. Uh, Two others, um, 25 and 23. All loving the house of God. Uh, All active in their in their chosen areas of life. Um, And uh, you know, just loving life on the Sunshine Coast. you know, happy in jobs and pretty much at the moment you would say that we're sort of in that sweet spot. We're always looking at how you can make it better but, you know, it's always that constant improvement but at this stage things have always, you know, things would be excellent for us but life is not always, was not always great for us, you know what I mean and, you know, there was times in our life that we look back and things weren't so positive. Ainsley and I grew up in a an, a church that was pretty fundamental in its thinking, and uh, that, sh- that sort of shaped the way we, we grew up, and I grew up in a, in a family home where kids were kept silent, uh, the woman was in the kitchen, um, uh, things like that, where that shapes the way you think, though. You've got to understand that when you grow up in an environment, the environment you grow up in does shape some of your thinking and some of your, some of your personality traits, and so I grew up in a fairly... So I would say a passive aggressive type home. So that made me the opposite because I didn't like it. So you either reflect what you see or you do the opposite to what you see. And I chose the opposite and got to the age of about 19 and, and just became angry for some reason. And I was just an angry man. And, and I, that, that lived with me for the next 20 years, just angry. Um, and, you know, and I'd have a justice mindset. That's probably why I'm a policeman. Um, and so I judge everything by justice. You know, and, and, and therefore, if I, don't, if I think it's unjust, then that injustice makes me angry. That's probably where most of my anger comes from. But Ainsley also grew up in a different home as well. And, uh, and it leads to dysfunctional behaviours, and it leads to, particularly in the ways that we deal with conflict and the way we, we manage life. And what we see here is that um, when we came together, we thought, you know, as all good Christians would do, that love conquers all well it does with christ but it doesn't with each other <laughs> so, so what we soon found was that uh my way of dealing with conflict in the home versus ainsley's way of dealing with conflict in the home obviously wasn't the same and um and and when you're not taught any skills you know we're taught at school how to you know budget a book you know budget our checkbook to to, to learn these other life skills but we do not learn the skill of navigating relational conflict, you know, we just throw people together. Someone's wearing a white dress one day, guys wearing a suit, and off they are get married. And we've got no book. Well, we've got the Bible, but we don't we don't read that for that part, you know. And we think that we're going to make it on that wedding day. You, I looked at Ainsley, and I thought we were going to make it. So back in um, two thousand and. 2004, I asked Ainsley a question. We'd been married for 15 years. And I just felt in my spirit to ask you this one question. Up until then, I would have said that we were happily married. Because everything that made me think that we were happily married was there. You know, there was good food, good wife, obedient wife, (laughs) obedient kids. (laughs) You know, all the things that, um, that I wanted, it was there. And for me, I was... I would have said I was happy. But on this fateful day in October, I asked Ainsley a question, and the question went just simply this. When I walk through the door, does your heart leap for me? And she said, not really. (laughs) And I went, what do you mean? What do you mean by not really? And then what happened was 15 years of resentment spewed out Over the next three hours, and it was just like an avalanche, and and I'm going, and I'm sitting there going, I can't even remember half of (laughs) half of this stuff. But what it was was this this spewing out of um, of our relationship, and what I found was was that what we believe in, we anchor to. But it's not necessarily. What I mean by believe is what we follow, or it's what our habits are. It's those things that resonate, it's, the, it's our default mechanism. It's, it's like when you drive a car, you have instinct, which just becomes instinctive. It's like a ball gets thrown at you and you just catch it by reflex. What we do as a constant thing in our life becomes our habits, which then define what we anchor to. What I anchored to was control. And so, for me, if anything was out of control, it just needs to bring in control. And that's great as a policeman, because we go to out-of-control events, so bringing back control, it fits. But in a marriage, control is not what a marriage is about. And what I found was, for me, was that I really needed to resonate with Ainsley, uh, that this control was what was making the situation so much worse. So what I would do is I would go to Kurong. Never heard of Kurong before this. Um, but I went to Kurong and I'd read books and then I'd talk to people and then I would come home and I would preach to her. I would say, oh, you need to forgive. <laughs> and I would, she would say that, and I would say, so you're saying that I'm a pig? And she goes, no, nah, only 2% of the time you're a pig, <laughs> right? And I'd go, so what's your saying? I remember this one day, I said, so you're getting this right. I said, you... You're saying that 98% of the time I'm a good bloke, but 2% of the time I'm a pig. What is your problem? (laughs) So all the girls are all going, oh, my goodness. (laughs) But anyway, the problem with this was that, for me, was I didn't understand that that 2% was so horrific that it poisoned the rest of the 98%. It doesn't matter how good you are in the good, if you're really bad in the bad, it just, like, leavened it eats it away. And so what we did was, um, Ainsley comes up to me on the 7th of February 2005 and says, just re- write this date, this date down and remember it. And I said, why is that? She said, because in a year we will be divorced. This was the first time I actually went, hey wait a sec, I can't control this anymore, it's out of control. And for the first time I went to the right anchor And I had a massive call out to God. I remember it. I just, we we were still walking around, you know, doing walks together in the morning. And I came home and I sat down and I'm just praying to Jesus and I'm going, I didn't sign up for this. This is not how I saw my life. I didn't see myself getting divorced. I didn't see myself raising kids in a broken family. I didn't see this for me. This is not what I chose for my life. And I called out to Christ like I had never called out before. And... All of a sudden, I had this amazing encounter that transformed my life. And I felt that I, for the first time, I understood what love actually was, not what I thought love was. You know, there's a difference between a controlling love and love. And uh, for me, so when we look at Ezekiel 37, verse 1, we read, and The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out of the Spirit of the Lord, and he set me down in the middle of a valley that was full of dry bones. And he caused me to pass around them. And behold, there were very many human bones in the open valley. And lo, they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O oh Lord, you know. What I realized was that my marriage had become a valley of dry bones. It had been so consumed by control and by my need to have it my way that I had destroyed all things. So what we find here is that one of the lessons, I I learned two major lessons that day. God said to me, he said, God, I cannot bless your idol. And I've talked about this once before. We read in John Kelvin says, the human heart is a factory of idols. Martin Luther says, we only need one commandment, which is love God, because we wouldn't need the rest. But because we have got this idolatry in our system, we need to have some boundaries. It's not if you worship, it's what you worship. And I found that my identity was so consuming for me that I was now conflicting that onto Ainsley and onto everything that I did. It was about me. It wasn't about me reflecting Christ. It was about me reflecting what I needed, the sense of the identity I had. I had to be the best in 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 all the fields that i was in so when i was in the army i needed to be the sort of honor winner i came second so i was a bit spewy but then the next one for promotion to left from lieutenant to captain i was the student of honor uh student of merit when i went from captain to major i was the student of merit i won the tactics prize going to become lieutenant i was so consumed by being the best that i had forgotten what god had actually called me to be and the thing that I learned that day was that God cannot bless my idols. He, because if he blesses our idol, he blesses our dysfunction. And my dysfunctional behavior was my need to control in the natural. And as Justin said today, the natural said that the boys only had a small amount of fish and bread. But the Lord says, I am the spirit. Work with me and the miracles can occur. So I had decided that day that no longer could I love the way I loved because the way I loved was full of function, not relationship. And what I realized what I was doing was actually killing the thing that I was trying to make flourish.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because um, you know that you're in a valley of dry bones, but being able to communicate that to the person that you love and knowing that they don't see that the valley has dry bones, it's a really difficult one. And because I grew up very passive-aggressive, I um, never knew how to navigate conflict. Um, I wasn't raised to know how to navigate conflict whatsoever. Um, I saw a lot of conflict. And I learned to be silent and not to have a voice was very important. So when Pete and I got married, um, you know, most amazing day of our life. But, you know, we stumbled through. We didn't have people around us that taught us how to navigate things. They didn't teach us how to, um, even simple little things that you might have arguments around. So when Peter got really angry, all I did was become very calm and it works really well for me now as a (laughs) counsellor, but really, really calm and just a peacemaker and making sure everything's okay. But then inside what I would do is gather evidence and it shaped the way that I did things. It shaped the way that I saw things. It made me incredibly passionate to be um, a bodybuilder, to be whatever I could be, to be excellent in something so that maybe he could see different. So it shaped my actions and the way that I formed truth. What was interesting with that night was that when Peter asked me um, and that very serious question, does your heart leap for me? I'd been out that day and was sitting up at the top of our um, block where we were in the car a fair distance away from the house And um, I was literally bawling my eyes out. The schism between um, knowing that you're in a dry bones, a valley of dry bones, and how do I communicate that, and I was too scared to. I did not have the skill set to say it. It was starting to overwhelm me. It was starting to give me anxiety, but I didn't know how to navigate this anger and this resentment that I was having for any little thing that Pete would say. And he didn't know it. I was just building evidence. I was an evidence gatherer. And so I'm bawling my eyes out at the top of the um, hill in my car and I'm just like, Lord, I feel like I need to get away. I feel like I need to run. But I want my marriage. I love Peter. It's such a a pendulum swing. When I think about resentment and, and, and all the anger I had, I was on one side, but then when I thought about how I loved my husband and my children, I was completely on the other. And I begged God and I said, I have no idea how to do this at all. And then I put my tears away, put my makeup on, went in as if nothing had happened, and then he just pops out with this question. And I knew it was God, <laughs> because he wouldn't have come out with that question, because he'd always assumed it. So he wouldn't have come out with that question. So I tell you what, when you ask something from God, you've got to be ready to step over into the water, because I had a decision to make. I just begged God, begged God. Like the woman under the tree, bawling out to God, hear me Lord, hear my heart. I had begged God. But then within minutes, I had opportunity, but no skill set to know how to do it. So then I said no, and I was bawling my eyes out, and then it all just came out. And I knew that neither of us had the ability to navigate it, But see, the thing is, is that growing up, I had learnt to have frozen feelings. I had learnt to hold things tight. Being an emerging teenager and also younger, actually, throughout my childhood, um, I was at the hand of a predator. Predators, I should say. Many predators. So you get pretty screwed up. And so the only way that I could navigate that, because I actually never told a soul over all the instances, over all the attacks, over everything that happened to me. I never told a soul. And that emerged into um, critical anorexia, where I was gonna die. <laughs> Ball patch, purple nails. Peter could put his hand around my stomach and that was it. Literally, I was down that path. Peter, would, um, we were dating, and um, he knew that I was critically ill. Um, But he did the best for me and was an incredible man of God. But I had chosen that I loved Peter, but I needed to actually um, be with God. Life was too scary for me. It was just too hard. And I I saw it as I needed to be with God. And so for me, it was um, a a way of um, holding all my feelings in, controlling, completely different type of control, but control nonetheless. And, uh, and that was what led me into a place where um, that sense of not having a voice and being vulnerable, um, you keep yourself safe, you're not worthy. I just saw myself as not worthy. Peter could have told me a thousand times that I was worthy, I didn't hear it. I just knew I wasn't worthy. I knew I was damaged goods. I didn't have a voice. Paul Dejong writes, the echoes of our past have the power to paralyse us. And see, as much as Pete's anchor was to control, one was to resentment.
0: The second thing I learned that day was that um, God. The first one was God can't bless my idol. But the second one was that humanity was made for relationship. Okay, and, that, and that, that, those two things have resonated with me for the for the last fifteen years. Is that I can't have idols, and it's all about relationship. And they really go together because if you have idols, you don't have a, relationship, a true relationship with God. And if you have a true relationship with God, you'll have a true relationship with those around you. Not just your a significant other, but your children, your extended family, because you'll be relationally driven, not functionally driven. When I did Myers and Briggs, if you've ever done Myers and Briggs, there's one thing there called thinking and feeling. You get 50 on that side, 50 on that side. If you're in the middle, you get close to zero. So... Getting to 50 is not a good number. I was 47 thinking, which means that I used very little emotion in any decision-making process. I was completely logical. And so could you imagine that with the relational beings when you come with a, re- a functional uh, mindset? And I could, I could talk, uh, work things out. It's great when you're in a crisis, like as a police officer, it's great to be functional. But when we're talking about what crisis called us to be, it's about relational. And it's, God, Jesus sums it up in two great commandments. He says, love God, love others. And to me, that's really what has resonated with me since 2005. My eyes were opened, therefore my chains were broken. We sing that song. I'd been a rat on a treadmill. I had been so consumed by being the perfect husband and, and, and the role model, and I would never talk about my feelings. You know, uh, I, I found it difficult to actually talk to men about my failings because i had to be perfect if i can encourage men today find someone to speak to because if you don't find someone to speak to you can't fix that which needs to be fixed it brings light to those things that need to be brought light to now after that i just blabber away to everybody so it doesn't matter in ecclesiastes 37 verse 4 we read and he said prophesy on these bones and say these dry bones hear the word of the lord and the and and i prophesied in verse seven we read and i prophesied so i was as i was commanded and as i prophesied there was a great thundering noise there was became a rattling and the bones came together bone as uh, uh, to its bones and then i looked and behold there was sinew going on that bones and the flesh grew and the skin covered them but there was no breath in them then he said to me prophesy for the breath o son of man and say to the breath, thus saith the Lord: Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. What I found was that I started to prophesy over my family. I started to declare the word. I'd say to Ainsley all the time, "It won't always be this way." I had no answers, mate. I'd be, i was a Neanderthal, right? I was a arrogant, stubborn, pig-headed. Uh, chauvinist pig (laughs) literally right you know I was I was basically your 19th century arrogant male and I found that I started speaking love and life into my family And, and and what I started to do was that I started to see this new growth occurring and it was amazing because when we give we receive when we hold we become br- uh, brittle and broken. And it was about giving of myself to each person in my, rela- in my life. started with Ainsley, when I felt more comfortable then I could be honest with my kids. And I had apologized, um, I've apologised a number of times over the years for the things that I did to my kids as a father. You know, sat them down and said, look, I've realised that this is how I've been, and I, I've, I've changed, and I want to apologise for the behaviour I have given because that is not the example of a Christian. It's not an example of what Christ wants for us. What I found was then the bones that rattled in my life started to see connection, which I call relationship. Right? The bones that were damaged in my world, I started to repair. I stopped seeing the function versus the relational. I just stopped being just the doing and started being. Being in, in, in a relationship, not just doing relationship um you know uh, there was blind spots in my life we all have blind spots and that's why we've got to talk to one another that's why relationship is so important because it's about those blind spots because if you're not watching your blind spot you will crash into that car okay that's in your blind spot we saw the flesh come upon my life and it, and it was a, then became a growth a sense of purpose for our life before i existed i was basically a christian who was just waiting for jesus to return not realising that I actually had a divine purpose in life, that it was about not just about ministering to myself and just waiting for Christ and getting to heaven, it was about what was my place on earth. What was it was to raise and have a great marriage, not just for the sake of having a great marriage, but to reflect a great marriage to those around us. It was about raising great kids in a great relationship and a great family so that people would look at us and go what do you have that i don't have so i can change so we could see a rippling effect across this is where the flesh came and gave us purpose it was it gave us the tension between what's most important versus most urgent and i was driven by what was most urgent and what i found was that what's most urgent usually is functional What's most important tends to be relational. And we will put off those relational things because we find we're driven by those things that we think are important but are just urgent. They're just things that don't really matter. I started to see change. We failed. It's okay. You know, you're going to fail. Nothing's perfect. Gave it a go. Get back up. Dust yourself off. And we saw success. It was all about the hands, the heads and the feet. The hands were in the valley, says the Lord. We come together because what we started to see, we started to speak, we started to do, we started to live. The skin reflected Christ. <clears throat> As a sin came on these bodies, it was all in for Christ, to reflect Christ in our lives. Today. And we're not perfect, don't get us in. He's definitely not perfect. (laughs) But I know I'm shocking. But but the thing is, um, we started to live looking at our life and how we can reflect the best we can the life of Christ in us. And that's that skin. And the breath, that divine direction and purpose, that transforms our lives. So we see things fundamentally different. We don't see it from how does it affect me, but how does it affect the will of God on this earth? So when we pray it's about how does it affect the world around us the people around us how do we that's the reason why we come to church church is not about us it's not about me coming to church and just feeling happy church is about how do we show the world what a group of people look like in all different walks of life reflecting the love of jesus christ
1: So Peter had this amazing revelation and had this moment with God and at this time um, I was well and truly independent. So I was very clear about the date of when we were going to have a divorce. Um, I turned away from God. So you're talking about a girl that's been talking to God and hearing God's voice since I was six because of what was happening to me? And fully spirit filled, speaking in tongues at nine. So I'd only ever known God as my only thing that kept me. He was the one I spoke to. But because of my decision to turn away from Peter, I found I was turning away from God because I actually didn't want to hear his words because I had become independent. I had a real spirit of independence over me. And so when he was sort of having this moment with God sitting on the couch, and I'm like, what the hell's wrong with you? And he's just like in this zone, right? He was like tripping. And because we were from a fundamental, very, very religious church, I'd never seen that. I didn't know God could just, you know, do something like that. I knew miracles happened, but I didn't know that could happen. But, you know, he shifted and he changed. And he, and he took me on a journey and I could see the changes in him, but I wasn't in that place i had seen it before, I'd seen changes, you know, in this journey of separation, living in the same house but were separated. I saw him read this book, then try that. So I didn't have a lot of faith, I didn't have any faith, that we could make it. I thought it was a very, very public separation, Pete's a pastor's kid, very public. So I just went with, made this decision, this is what's going to happen. So the thing is, is that um, I became very, very anchored to what I knew. In that, what happens is, is that uh, you think you're defined by your circumstance. You've made a decision. I didn't have anyone speaking uh, life to me. I separated from everyone. I didn't answer my phone. So the only people I kept with was the children and Peter. They're the only people that were allowed to speak to me. Everyone else I cut out. And then we're at Big W one day, and um, we had the house. I had a place, a unit to move into, and I'm collecting everything and putting everything that I'd always wanted. So I was very independent. Bless Pete, man of God, making me say every night it won't always be this way, and all this stuff. He's next to me, helping me. And I'm like, I've always wanted this kind of doona. I've always wanted this, and I was incredibly. I remember to this day, when sin gets in your heart, you look and sound ugly. You don't know who's standing next to you. You don't realise what God's doing in them. You're just independent and you're ugly. And I was ugly. And I had my trolley full of all this stuff, toilet brush and this and that and da-da-da-da-da. And then Pete got a phone call and he gets lots of phone calls because everyone's helping Pete. I didn't want to hear any of them. And so he went and did his good thing that he always did was went around the corner so I didn't have to listen to someone else giving them their heart and helping him and rada da And uh, so he went around the corner and as I'm standing there with my trolley feeling incredibly excited God said to me he gave me a collection of words that I will never ever forget because I would not heard of God Um, I hadn't heard God's voice for about six months or longer If you leave Peter you will die Now God wasn't going to strike me dead but what I knew was as soon as I heard those words I knew instantly what he meant That everything that I had believed for and prayed for, everything as a young child, at six, I cried out to God when everything was happening to me. I said, you send me the strongest man you can find. You send him. I need someone to get me out of this. And he gave me someone. And when I thought I was just going to die with anorexia and I'd made my decision, God gave me a word and he said, don't you want children? Well, we didn't think I could even have children. I was on my pathway down. There was nothing really happening. It was all, everything dying. But that choice of the crossroad, similar to when God said, if you leave him, you'll die, exact same crossroad, exact same place where I was looking at death. I was looking at knowing when I woke up, separated from Peter, when I woke up, and knew I'd lost everything I'd prayed for, everything my heart's desire had actually wanted, when my feelings defrosted, I knew that I would be in a place of massive regret. And so just like I did with anorexia, I chose life. And it was a miracle I had three children, literal miracle. I chose, Peter came around the corner, I'm bawling my eyes out. He's like, what the heck happened? And I'm like, just can you put everything away? I have to come home. I have no idea, no idea what this is going to look like. It wasn't like bells and roses and all the rest. It was just a decision at a cross point of I choose to believe that God knows my heart more than I do. I choose to believe that God would know what my future is more than I would. And so I surrendered my independence at that moment to a thinking that God knows me better than I do. And so I went home and we took a journey and so as Pete's transforming and he's evolving, and he literally was the essence of transforming, I started to, I was in, critically, I went from that space, from a an huge anxiety to clinical depression. Me, who I never thought that would happen. But hello, let's just all fall apart. I just could not, I didn't know how to put all the thinking together. But Peter, he just always said to me, don't, you're not defined by this. It won't always be this way, repeat it. And I got professionals around me and then I started to put building blocks back, and my life started to look different. I still couldn't sense God as such, um, other than that one voice that I'd heard, because I tell you what, it sounds weird, doesn't it, that you turn back to your husband, you follow what God says, and then you'd end up with depression, (laughs) but I tell you this, if you've had a house, if if your body has not had, you've turned away from God, I didn't turn back to God, I just obeyed, I I, I was obedient to God in that moment, I didn't turn back to God, because the shame and the guilt, so then I was fully open to a realisation of exactly where I'd been and what I'd done, and how bad my thinking was, and so it wasn't until, we went to church, so in the time when we were separated, and in this space, I'd never every Sunday, we just turned up, I didn't hear God, I didn't get much from it, but I just knew I had to be there, and so we just kept going to church, and then one Sunday, Jürgen Metisius was preaching, and he gave this almighty sermon, and I found my hand going up, I found my hand going up, and he said these, and I heard, while I, um, while I know what I was listening to in the sermon, I heard these things that God was saying to me, and they were rattling, life-changing words. Do not be content with your discontent. You see, I'd come back to Pete, and I'm like, you know, whatever it's meant to be, it'll be. But then I heard God say, no, 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 in the sermon. No, 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 because he's speaking to me while Jürgen's speaking. I hear God. He goes, no, don't be content with your discontent. What is it that you felt you could never live up to? What is it that you felt that God had dreamed for your life? What is it that you felt that you saw your family? Do not be content with your discontent. Going back to Peter does not mean losing. It means, hearing me clear, it means that the multiplication factor, that we can start to grow in a place from weakness to strength, from ashes to beauty. What could that look like? He challenged my thinking. He said, who told you you weren't good enough? Who told you you were each other's problem, that the grass is greener on the other side? Because I definitely thought that. Who told you that your destiny is duller than others around you? These are lies from the enemy which entrapped you in a place where no abundance of life can work. God hooked me to a bigger picture for my life. So at the altar call, I gave my heart again. I put my hand... I went down the front. Jürgen prayed a prophecy where he said, I've been trapped in a spider's web, but God has taken me out of this web and set me free. You know, in that moment, I knew that God had seen me when that word came over me. And I knew that he understood that the web, I didn't know how to get out of that web, that I'd make one good choice, but I was still hooked because of my thinking. But as soon as that word was spoken, it was broken. And I was free. That one, stepping forward and going back to God. You see, now I repented of my unbelief because I didn't actually think that God could, I was too guilty to, I, I thought I'd really stuffed my family up. When you realise you go from independence to revelation, it's that thinking. But see, in 1 John 1.9, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness if the worship team could come. You see, I learned that God loves the overcomer. I chose to become fully anchored to him. At that cross point, I chose to turn around to Peter and I chose to believe that it won't always be this way. It took me about three months of saying it every night after Peter would ask me, where I actually started to see it and believe it. And I think that's what led me to a place of being able to hear God through the sermon that Jürgen was speaking But see, God is a good God. He doesn't expect you. He's the potter. We're the clay. Sometimes it takes time to be (laughs) moulded. And it took a lot of time for my independence to be moulded. So I chose on that day that I take my independence and I put it to the side and I give everything to God. And I was unlocked that day. And then I tell you this, that depression was gone it goes it went everything started to unlock not overnight but answers started to come to me really quickly incredible prophecies that were spoken over us have come to pass so I encourage you you might have um, never given your heart to God you might have never put your hand up in a place where you have gone you know what God I choose you crossroad God will give you one. And hear me, I have no, please don't hear our heart. Um, We help a lot of couples that are separating, have separated, remarried. You know, it took me to make, Peter was willing, I wasn't. Okay, so relationships, wherever they're at, whatever you've got in front of your hands, God can make significant and great because God was building a massive man of God while I was still sad and mad. So God, whatever He's got, He will create and He will do a supernatural outcome. I just chose to get on board. Or you may you may have um, you know, said in years past that, you know, God, I choose to live my life for you. But over the years, that's a little bit like me. Haven't heard from God, really, have just come away from the altar that you realise that probably when Pete was speaking that you possibly had altars uh, altars and idols to other things that have been more important but I tell you this after seeing what hell on earth is which is being for me my interpretation being on this planet and knowing God and then turning away from him that is hell on earth that there is nothing like being vulnerable and recommitting I'd just like to read you the lyrics of this um, song, Oh, Come to the Altar, because I find them incredibly helpful at this time when we're thinking about, do we need to actually recommit to God or do we need to commit to God or do we need to give our heart to God? Wherever you're at, are you hurting and broken within, overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Because I was. Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today, for there's no reason to wait. A crossroad, there is no reason to wait. Time is time. Time is now. Time is now. There's no reason to wait because Jesus is calling. It might be a soft voice, but Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes, a new life is born. Jesus is calling, oh, come to the altar. Oh, come to the altar. Let's close our eyes. Just the privacy of everyone. I'm just going to take a minute. Mighty Lord, mighty Lord, mighty Lord. Mighty Jesus, Father, speak. Speak to people now. If there's any crossroad that needs to be stepped in a direction of you and independence needs to be put to a side, Father, I pray now, mighty Lord, speak, Lord. If you'd like to pray and recommit to God, I'd ask you to raise your hand. All eyes are closed. You see, this is a moment, this is a crossroad. Let us just not go to a Monday with regrets. Let us not go to a Sunday afternoon with that heavy heart. Let us bring God, Jesus right now to where we are right now. Recommitting, it's just a place of vulnerability between you and Jesus. No one sees your hand. Is there any hands where I could pray with you? I'll just give you one more minute. I feel that God's pulling on someone's heart. (laughs) God does this, He pulls on your heart. It can be a hard thing to lift your hand, but I tell you this when you lift your hand, the heavens rejoice. When you lift your hand and you declare, My God is my God, and I choose to put aside independence, I choose to look to Him. Is there any hands? Thank you, Jesus, mighty Lord. Let's stand. You see, just imagine it. Just imagine that we all had this revelation of Ezekiel 37.10, where the valley of dry bones in anyone's life around us is at a place where you know there's people around you and there's dry bones. Or well, there might be one aspect in your life. Everything's great, but there just might be one aspect. I would call to action that do not be content with your discontent. Believe for more. Know for more that God has you. This is one of these scriptures that speaks directly to dry bones being more greater than you can imagine. Where we are at right now is greater than I could ever imagine. What God showed us is greater right now. Greater than we could ever imagine. What you see in your relationships, believe for more. You see, it says in Ezekiel thirty-seven ten. So I prophesied, and as he commanded me, breath came life. And breath came into them and came to life, and they stood on their feet. An exceedingly great army. God does not just position breath with a place of weakness. It is not that when beauty goes. Sorry, when beauty comes from ashes. From that decision, it's a exceedingly great army. It's strength like a multiplication factor. Can you imagine it? The destiny and influence of one is significant. But what if? I would put that word, but what if? The two became strong, lifting each other up, complementing each other's strengths and weaknesses, being quick to forgive each other's solution rather than each other's problem. Imagine the supernatural multiplication factor that could come and bring to this world the raising of a multi-generational army, an army of believers reflecting the nature of how God does relationship to their world, an army purposed with his commissioning Seek the loss, make disciples, and see his cause advance. An army that engage authentically in meaningful relationships, knowing how to navigate conflict effectively. A people who are fully in relationship with God, their Father, Jesus Christ, their Savior and Provider, and being led by the Holy Spirit. Beauty from ashes to your glory. Beauty from ashes to your glory, Jesus. We're just going to pray a call to action. Pete and I feel to pray a call to action. This is a time where no matter where you're at, what is the one thing that possibly could be ashes that you want to see become incredibly amazing for God? Beauty, that one thing. The people around you, what is the one thing that we could step up and say, you know what, God, you are the God of the valley. You are the God and you declare through your breath something great out of something that people have been discontent with.
0: Church, we believe in a God of miracles and Pastor Christian just texted me and said he's had amazing healings, amazing miracles up in Mackay, 10 salvations. But we're here now. Why leave without something changing. This is the start. It may not be the full answer right today, but it could be the beginning of something new. Don't walk away. We're gonna open up the altar now. And Ainsley, we're here to pray for people and we wanna see deliverance. But I can tell you this, that Ainsley and I right now constantly are looking at how we can do relationship better. This is a journey no matter where you are at. It's not saying that you're at the bottom. You could be in the middle, but why not go to the top of what God has called for us? So let's bow our heads, Heavenly Father. You died on the cross because you loved us. When you created humanity, you created us to be in divine relationship with you and with each other. We ask you to have your hand upon each one of us, Lord, and we declare your victory of the cross and the power of your resurrection into the lives of those who follow you, Lord, that no matter where they're at, they're going to permeate the relationships that are in their world and beyond, so that they can see a multiplication in their life of great victories in relationship, to be able to see that they're no longer content with their discontent, but they live in the full blessing in the full honour, and the full glory that you had planned for the destiny of man, to live with each other in perfect harmony. We pray this, Heavenly Father.
1: I just feel in this time, a call to action of anyone that feels that there is something in your life that you want to believe for more for, something that you thought had died that God spoke over it many years ago, and you feel that it had died and you put it on that bookshelf and it's gotten dusty, I feel that there is a call to action. I feel that if you could come to the front and we're gonna pray with you, but I feel I wanna pray a blessing and a favor over you from the front collaboratively. Come forward, come forward. Something that has died anything, relationships, external family relationships, friendships, Ones that you've just put to the side. Relationships with children. Relationships with parents. Come forward. Come forward. Come forward. Mighty Jesus. Mighty Jesus. Mighty Lord. Just a minute. Come forward. Mighty Lord. Mighty Lord. There is nothing to lose. Anything, let us not waste time. Anything, let us believe for a miracle right now in anything that you felt that it died. Mighty Lord, I just feel to wait one more minute. Mighty Jesus, yeah, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. We went down many altars and we still do in these times. I tell you what, there is not a time, no matter how many times we will pray with someone, we always will come to the altar when we know there is more that God has for our life. There is more that God has for your life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Mighty Lord, Father, I pray a blessing and favour over this congregation, mighty Lord, that let them hear your voice, mighty Lord. Let them hear that you say, be still, and know that I am God in everything that has been put on a bookshelf everything that has been placed is a place of death Father I pray right now that there is beauty from ashes what was thought to be dead what was thought to be put aside what was thought could not happen Father you are the miraculous God Father I pray right now mighty Jesus in the name of Jesus Christ that favour comes right now on the whole congregation and the and the people standing at the front mighty Lord blessing blessing that they wake up with dreams and visions for you, mighty Lord. That that point, that thing that they have wrestled with and they have put aside, mighty Lord, that there's dreams and visions of hope, more, more, more that God has for it. That it will be an exponential miracle. That Pastor Melissa and Pastor Christian will have to hold back. Hold back all the accounts of praise, all the great words that God has done in their lives, that there will be such an overflow of stories, such an overflow of miraculous outcomes. From this moment, we declare that in this valley, it is full of an exceedingly abundant army, a multi-generational army that will impact the community, that will impact the community of families in Noosa, Thank you, Jesus, for that favour and the blessing over this church, mighty Lord.
0: Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. For more life-changing messages, visit us online at c3noosa.org. If you've been blessed by this message, please consider partnering with us financially to see the work of God continue flourishing in and through C3 Church Noosa. God bless.